When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. After the two trees of Valinor were destroyed by Melkor and Ungoliant, the Valar were beside themselves with concern and sadness for the the loss of such beautiful creations. Remember when I talked about how Melkor and Ungoliant snuck in and killed the trees? Well, one of the issues with that was that everywhere that Ungoliant went, she poisoned the land and the air. Everywhere she went, she left this toxic waste behind her on the ground and especially in the air and here we are on the mount where the trees were and Manway has summoned the winds to blow away the toxic gas in the air and the Valar came to the trees to the what was left of the body of the trees and Yavanna especially was very upset. She touched the remnants that were there, but they were broken and they they fell to ash in her hands. And she was the first of the Valar to speak up at this moment. And I'm going to quote exactly what she says. In fact, there's a lot of passages in this episode that deserve quoting, especially the words of the Valar and the words of Feanor and some others as, as we move on. But she said... The light of the trees has passed away and lives now only in the Silmarils of Feanor. Foresighted was he. Even for those who are mightiest under Iluvatar, there is some work that they may accomplish once and once only. The light of the trees I brought into being and within Ea I can do so never again. Yet had I but a little of that light, I could recall life to the trees, ere the roots decay, and then our hurt should be healed, and the malice of Melkor be confounded. And so, she's standing on this mound, in the midst of discovering the terribleness that just occurred, and she's asking Feanor for the Silmarils. The Silmarils could solve this problem. And in the scene here, Feanor, many of the other Noldor, and the Valar are are all gathered here. And this is the moment where they come together to try to understand what just happened. This scene takes place before Feanor returns home to see his father's body and to take care of it. In fact, at this moment, Feanor doesn't yet know 
that his father has been slain. The conversation continues, and Manway says, Hearest thou, Fanor, son of Finway, the words of Yavanna? Wilt thou grant what she ask? Fanor didn't answer right away. He stood there silently. Tolkis then cries out, Speak, O Noldo, yea or nay, but who shall deny Yavanna? And did not the light of the Silmarils come from her work in the beginning? But Aule understood a little bit more of what Feanor was feeling in this moment, and he said, Be not hasty. We ask a greater thing than thou knowest. Let him have peace a while. And so Feanor stood there thinking, dealing with the emotions of what was going on. And then he spoke. In fact, it says here that he cried bitterly. For the less even as for the greater, there are some deeds that he may accomplish but only once. And in that deed his heart shall rest. It may be that I can unlock my jewels, but never again shall I make their like. And if I must break them, I shall break my heart, and I shall be slain, first of all the elder of Amon. And he's talking slain. He's not talking died of weariness or sorrow or expending your life like his mother did. He's talking about being killed by something outside your control. To do this would murder me is basically what he's saying. And in this situation, just a reminder again, he has yet to return home. He does not know that the Silmarils are gone. He does not know that Finway has been murdered. And interesting here, Mandos speaks up and says, not the first, meaning not the first to be slain, because Mandos already knows that Finway has come to his halls to rest. The others didn't understand this yet, and Mandos didn't explain it. Now, in this moment, Fanor is feeling lots of different things. And he's feeling especially set upon by the Valar. And it makes sense when you understand the kinds of whisperings that Melkor planting these ideas that they or somebody else would be coming after the Silmarils. And here they are asking for them directly. There's a quote here directly from the Silmarillion that says, it seemed to him that he was beset in a ring of enemies. And the words of Melkor returned to him saying that the Silmarils were not safe. If the Valar would possess them. And then Fanor thought, and is he not Vala as are they? And does he not understand their hearts? Yea, a thief shall reveal thieves. Then he cries out and says, This thing I will not do of free will. But if the Valar will constrain me, then shall I know indeed that Melkor is of their kindred. And in speaking this, he puts them in a bind here. From the Valar's perspective, they're trying to heal the wounds. And this is the one method they have to do so. 
from Feanor's perspective, he thinks that they're out to take the thing that he he loves so dearly that he can only create this one time. And in this moment, he has specifically said, I'm not going to do this of my own accord. And he knows they could force him. He knows they are more powerful than he is. They are the Valar. But he also puts them on the spot because he says, if you force me to do this, then I will know that you are just like Melkor. You are trying to steal my Silmarils just like him. You see the bind here? The Valar are in a position where if they actually act on this, then they confirmed his suspicions that they're there simply to steal the things that he's created. And at the end of this, Mandos says, thou hast spoken and kind of closes this meeting right here. Everybody disperses. The Valar, some of them are mourning. Nienna specifically, and I find this very interesting. Uh, Nienna, if you recall, is the Valar of sorrow. And uh, she's the one who weeps over the the ills and the concerns of Middle-earth, all, all those things. Well, she goes up to where the trees were, where the remains of there are. And, and there is this poison on the ground. Everything is everything is corrupted. And it's said that she casts back her gray hood. She has a gray hood. Notice that. Who else wears gray? And with her tears, she uses those to wash away the defilement of Ungoliant. And she also sang in mourning for the bitterness of the world and the marring of Arda. And this is a pertinent moment. It's in this sorrow. It's in this sadness. It's in this empathy for the pain of others that cleansing occurs. And I don't think this is accidental. I've talked about this before on the show. This is important. It's only in the empathizing of the pains and the ills of others that we can actually make things better. And I think Tolkien is onto something here. And it wasn't that long after this moment that information came to those who were standing there as they were about to leave about what had happened at Feanor's home. And it's in this moment that Feanor learns that what he has said is already been said. And then on top of that, the Silmarils have been taken. But more importantly, his father is dead. His father, the one elf who was willing to stand up against Melkor and Ungoliant, has been slain. This is the moment that he realizes that this is what occurred. And this strikes him. And it's said here primarily that it's the death of his father that is the most concerning to him. Even in his pride of his creations and all of that, all that feeling that was going on with that, he is still mostly concerned that his father has been murdered here. And it's in this moment that Melkor is renamed by Feanor himself. It says here, then Feanor rose and lifting up his hand before Manwe, he cursed Melkor, naming him Morgoth, 
the black foe of the world. You will hear this name a lot moving forward. And remember, names have power. Names have meaning in Tolkien's work. Melkor is no longer Melkor from this point. He is Morgoth, the black foe of the world. That's how strongly Feanor feels in this moment. And that is the name that he uses from that point on. And in Feanor's sorrow here, he it's said that he runs from the Ring of Doom, this, this area they're in where the trees have been killed because he's so upset. The other thing that I want you to think about for the rest of this episode is that the light of the trees is gone. When you're picturing this in your mind, they are in the dark. They're under the stars. They're probably holding torches. And for the first time, they are standing in Valinor, in the dark, under the light of the stars alone. The world seems like it's crashing down. And not just on Feanor, but on the rest of the Noldor as well. There is a weight to this. This feeling of them being in this holy place, which is no longer holy. The feeling that they were with the Valar, the most powerful beings in the world, and yet they are not safe. Put yourself in that perspective as we continue the rest of the story, because if you don't understand that there's more to this than, well, Melkor showed up, did bad guy things, killed somebody and stole some gems, then you're not going to understand what happens next. The safety of their home is threatened. The Noldor here feel like they've been violated, that they're no longer safe. And after Feanor leaves, he spends some time grieving and thinking through what needs to happen. But it doesn't take him long because he is so angry and he's so ready for vengeance. And the next thing he does is he brings together the Noldor and has an announcement for all of them. I guess you could say it was a decree. You see... Feanor was the firstborn son of Finway. He is the rightful heir to the throne. It is his role to take over the kingship of the Noldor, and his first command is issued here. It says in the Silmarillion, He claimed now the kingship of the Noldor since Finway was dead, and he scorned the decrees of the Valar. Why, O people of the Noldor, he cried, why should we longer serve the jealous Valar, who cannot keep us, nor even their own realm, secure from the enemy? And though he be now their foe, are not they and he of one kin? Now remember, just a few moments ago, and who knows exactly the time between these two events, but just previously, in front of the Valar, he told them, if you try to take these from me, you can do so, but I will consider you one and the same with Melkor. And yet, moments later, 
He gathers everyone together and he does it anyway. He considers them the same. If Melkor can betray us, then why not the rest of you? I can't trust any of you. You're all the same. And isn't this something that happens in humanity? Isn't this one of those things that humans have done since the dawn of conflict where we lump people or other people or whoever into this group of others and we say, you're all the same. You're different from us. You're not to be trusted. And so therefore we can justify terrible things about you, terrible beliefs, terrible actions. Isn't this one of the most dangerous things that we as people do? And Tolkien was aware of this because in this moment, Fanor does this very thing. He is using propaganda on his fellow Noldor in order to motivate them to the things that he wants. And chief among them is revenge. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in again to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. Things are just going to get worse. Uh, and it, this, you know, it makes for a good story. But here we are in the middle of the show. This is where I get to thank our patrons for being such awesome supporters of this show. Thank you so much. We have some new ones to call out. Uh, in the last week, we've had... Four more new patrons sign up. So thank you so much to Jacob C, Angry Eagle Painting, Ben J, and Natasha B. Thank you so much for signing up. I hope you guys are enjoying the bonus episodes and the ad-free episodes and all the extra stuff you get. Thank you so much for being here and supporting this. This is my full-time job. This is what I do. And your support means the world to me. So thank you very, very much. Also, we have some reviews. Man, you guys you guys have been killing it this week. I don't know what's going on, but wow, thank you so much. So uh, we're going to read these out. I'll try to get through them as, as fast as we can. The first one comes from Piri with lots of ease in the United States who wrote on Apple Podcasts, great coverage of the lore, five stars. I've been a hobbit head since I was eight years old and fell into the deep rabbit hole that is the Lord of the Rings lore in my 20s. Robots does a great job covering the hard-to-understand lore of the Silmarillion by breaking it down and discussing it on this show. He makes it simple to understand, and I look forward to the new episodes every week. Well, thank you so much, Piri. I, such a concise and, and very specific review. Um, these kinds of things definitely help people understand what the show is about, and the kind words just make me feel so good. I Side note here, uh, was at dinner with my wife, um, a few days ago after some of these, like this bulk of these four new reviews came in. And I was like, so, uh, 
everybody's saying such nice things about me in the show and it's pretty it's pretty it's really nice <laughs> it just feels so good so thank you so much then we have one from one two three four five five eight three one in the united states who wrote beautifully executed five stars i've never reviewed a podcast that i've consumed before but this one is so relevant to my intrinsic personality and so resonant to my youth i had to let you know one of my earliest memories was watching the Rankin Bass animated Hobbit film from 1977. Oh, dude, I totally remember that. And I totally remember being a kid and feeling like Gollum and his big old eyes were super, super creepy um, <laughs> with my father sometime in the late 90s and finding a true joy in the world of Middle Earth that has only grown with time. I also have struggled with depression since I was young and the worlds I escaped to, Arda being the chief of them, are a large reason I'm still on the earth. I appreciate the content you're producing more than I can describe. Thank you very much. And I, this resonates with me. I've, I've dealt with my own mental health issues in the past and having things like this really, I mean, you're right. There's, there is something here. There is a magic in these worlds to escape to when we aren't feeling our best. And I, I don't know if Tolkien was aware of that. He may have been, but thank you so much. We have another one from KCP99 in the US who writes, a must for Tolkien fans, five stars. Very excited to have found this podcast. If you're interested in going deep in Tolkien lore, then this podcast is an absolute must listen in all caps. Love the host. Oh, thanks. And the insights provided, highly recommended. Thank you so much for that. And then we have one one more to, to read out. War Rewu. Uh, I think it looks like it was supposed to be review, but it's spelled with a W in the middle. Rewu. Um, I just noticed that. Interesting. I, maybe that's intentional. Uh, in the United States wrote in on Apple Podcasts and said, really enjoy five stars. I love the Tolkien works and I'm always looking for anyone's POV on it. This podcast could definitely be for longtime Tolkien readers and newcomers. This guy knows what he's talking about and is definitely worth keeping up with. Hope this podcast goes through not just the base three Tolkien works. Children of Hurin, Lost Tales, Adventures of Tom Bombadil are also really good works. And yeah, don't worry. We're, I'm going to cover as much as I can. I just want to get through to where things make sense to put them in the episodes. Because there's some complexity to it, right? Children of Hurin is an expansion on the stories that were in the, the Silmarillion. Lost Tales are in some ways retellings or different versions of the stories. So there's, there's a lot to cover there, but thank you so much. I really do appreciate these and I'm not going to keep you guys any longer. Let's get on with the rest of the show. So it's in this moment that Fanor rallies the Noldor around him and basically says, this is what's going on and this is what we need to do. The speech that I started before the break continues and he says a lot of interesting things here that Tolkien's words in the Silmarillion are really the only way for you to, to get the full experience. He continues and says, vengeance calls me hence, but even were it otherwise, I would not dwell longer in the same land with the kin of my father's slayer and of the thief of my treasure. Again, connecting the Valar all together in one big lump like they all can't be trusted. 
Yet I am not the only valiant in this valiant people. And have ye not all lost your king? And what else have ye not lost? Cooped here in a narrow land between the mountains and the sea. Here once was light that the Valar begrudged to Middle-earth. And now dark levels all. Shall we mourn here deedless forever, a shadow folk, mist-haunting, dropping vain tears in the thankless sea? Or shall we return to our home? In Kuvienen, sweet ran the waters under unclouded stars, and wide lands lay about, where a free people might walk. There they lie still and await us, who in our folly forsook them. Come away, let the cowards keep this city. This needs to be broken down because there is a lot going on here. So first of all, he's, of course, lumping in the Valar with Melkor, basically saying that none of them can be trusted. Secondly, he's saying, even if these terrible things didn't happen to my father and the Silmarils, I wouldn't stay with these Valar. They can't be trusted. And what are we going to do? Hang out here in the dark? They only made the trees for themselves and, and gives the sense that... They uh, barely, the light barely reached Middle Earth. Why not share it with everyone else, right? How selfish were they? That kind of thing. And then he talks about Kuvienen, the the place by the, the, it was like a very large lake where the elves originally awoke. Now, remember, Feanor wasn't there. He was born in Valinor. The grass is greener on the other side, right? He is saying, well, maybe we were idiots for following them here. All those other elves are out there in Middle-earth, living their free lives, doing whatever they want, not under this oversight of these Valar, who we can't even trust anymore. And he goes on like this for a long time, and Feanor's words are powerful. Remember, he is powerful in many different ways, and one of those ways in the, is in the use of his words. And this is something that's going to come up again and again. Also, Tolkien, many times, instead of actual physical conflict, will use the words of the individual, who especially powerful individuals, as conflict itself or as a weapon. Think about how potent Gandalf is against the Balrog when he tells the Balrog, you shall not pass. He doesn't take a swing at the Balrog. He doesn't pull out his sword and try to stab the Balrog. He uses his words as power. There's a sense that powerful beings in this world can will things into existence or will the changing of things simply by using their words. And I can't wait to tell you more about this, but we're just, just hold on to that because you're, we'll, we'll get there. So basically Feanor tells all the Noldor, hey, this, we can't stay here. We need to go. We need to seek revenge or mostly what he's telling them is you can't stay here anyway. Why not be free out in the rest of the world? But he warns them. He lets them know it's not going to be easy. The next quote says, fair shall the end be, he cried, though long and hard shall be the road. Say farewell to bondage, but say farewell also to ease. Say farewell to the weak. Say farewell to your treasures. More still shall we make. 
journey light, but bring with you your swords. And then he calls them to be greater than the Valar. He says, for we will go further than Orome, endure longer than Tolkis. We will never turn back from pursuit. After Morgoth to the ends of the earth, war shall he have and hatred undying. But when we have conquered and regained the Silmarils, then we and we alone shall be lords of the unsullied light and masters of the bliss and beauty of Arda. No other race shall oust us. He means to keep this all for himself. And on top of that, it's a reminder that the only light from the trees, the only blessed light of this land that was here before now lies in the Silmarils. They are the only source for this. Everything else is darkness. And it's in this moment that Fanor swears a terrible oath. And these oaths, the oaths that show up in Tolkien's work, ring of ancient lore and myth, the kinds of things that forebode the future and bind people in almost magical ways. It says here, then Fanor swore a terrible oath. His seven sons leapt straightway to his side and took the selfsame vow together and red as blood shone their drawn swords in the glare of the torches. They swore an oath which none shall break and none should take by the name even of Iluvatar, calling the everlasting dark upon them if they kept it not. Pause here for a moment. If they break the oath, they are saying that they would let the darkness take them, that they would not go back to the land of Amon, to the halls of Mandos, that they would be lost in the darkness itself. And Manwe they named in Witness and Varda and the hallowed mountain of Tenequitel, vowing to pursue with vengeance and hatred to the ends of the world, Vala, demon, elf, or man as yet unborn, because they heard the rumors that men would be coming at some point, whatever those are, or any creature, great or small, good or evil, that time should bring forth until the end of days. Whoso should hold or take or keep a Silmaril from their possession. That last line is very important. Basically, their oath is to get the Silmarils back against anyone who would hold or take or keep a Silmaril from their possession. Hold on to that. Now, the story mentions by name specifically Fanor's children, his seven sons, um, and then Fingolfin and Turgon. Remember Fingolfin, his basically half-brother, um, and Turgon is Fingolfin's son, and they, they speak up and say, uh, maybe we're going a little extreme here, and Fanor was just not having it. Things almost came to blows here, and then Finarfin speaks and says that maybe everybody just needs to chill out, take some time, think about this. We're, we seem awfully hasty here. <laughs> Let's Don't be so hasty. Um, and then Interestingly, Galadriel is pointed out. And this is one of the reasons why I did the Galadriel episode last week. She 
And it's noted here, the only woman of the Noldor to stand that day tall and valiant among the contending princes was eager to be gone. No oaths she swore, but the words of Feanor concerning Middle-earth had kindled in her heart, for she yearned to see the wide, unguarded lands and to rule there a realm of her own will. Feanor's words did a lot that day. They motivated a lot of the Noldor towards heading to Middle-earth. And in the Silmarillion, Tolkien notes that it's only about, and he calls it a tithe. A tithe means tenth. A, a tenth of them who decide to stay. And when we think about this, we can't think about the number of Noldor who were originally moving from Middle-earth to Valinor, because that number was very small. It's a few dozen. By this point, hundreds of years have passed. Galadriel, Feanor, many others, any of Feanor's children, entire generations of elves have been born. We don't know the total number, but the number of elves here has grown significantly. Now, in the midst of all this, what are the Valar doing, right? What, what's going on with them? Can't they stop this from happening? Well, Manwe shows up basically and says, against the folly of Feanor shall be set my counsel only. Basically, I'm not going to stop you. You have the freedom to do as you want, but I will warn you. And he says, go not forth for the hour is evil and your road leads to sorrow that ye do not foresee. No aid will the Valar lend you in this quest, but neither will they hinder you. For this ye shall know, as you came hither freely, freely shall ye depart. But thou, Feanor Finway's son, for thine oath art exiled. The lies of Melkor thou shalt unlearn in bitterness. Vala he is, thou sayest, then thou hast sworn in vain. For none of the Valar canst thou overcome now or ever within the halls of Ea. Not through Eru, whom thou namest, had made thee thrice greater than thou art. Basically, if you were three times more powerful, you're still not going to be able to best, best Melkor. Good luck, buddy. Uh, and by the way, you're banished. Fanor laughs at this. And then instead of Speaking back to Manway, or at least the herald of Manway, who's bringing this message, he says, So, then will this valiant people send forth the heir of their king alone into banishment with his sons only and return to their bondage? But if any will come with me, I say to them, Is sorrow foreboding to you? But in Amman, we have seen it. In Amman, we have come through bliss to woe. The other now we will try through sorrow to find joy or freedom at the least. And then he cries out, Say this to Manwe Solomo, High King of Arda, If Feanor cannot overthrow Morgoth, notice he uses the different name here, at least he delays not to assail him, and sits not idle in grief. And it may be that Eru, Iluvatar, has set in me a greater fire than thou knowest. Such hurt at the last will I do to the foe of the Valar, that even the mighty in the ring of doom shall wonder to hear it. Yea, in the end they shall follow me. 
farewell. And this is the moment that they set out. And what happens next is the first of many tragedies. The Noldor realize that they cannot follow Melkor north, at least not with a host the size that they have. So many people trying to head north through the frozen wastes across the Hilkaraxa, the grinding ice, is not going to work. And on top of that, Ungoliant's toxic filth still defiles the land in the air northward. So they need to come up with another plan. And Fanor remembers that the Noldor are not alone here. They need to cross the sea. And they need the help of some of their brethren, the Teleri. Remember them, the third group, the ones who live by the sea? They make these white ships. They sail off the coasts. And he thinks maybe he can convince them. But of course, things aren't that easy, are they? We'll get into the next part of the story next week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.